As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Nate Newton has always been big. When I first got to the Cowboys, Tex Ram told me, don't waste another day on him. He has eaten himself out of a job in the NFL. And then John Madden discovered him, and then he was a celebrity. My man Nate gets a little run at him. Anytime Nate puts that 330 pounds on you, you're gonna go backwards. He loved the fact that Nate Newton was a fat guy. I mean, just get behind Nate. I mean, he just blots out half the field. Yeah. He loved the fact that by the middle of the first quarter, he had a big sweat stain going down the back of his rear end. That's big Nate, right there. Boom. Where Nate just took his yeah. guy and just boom, just put him right on the ground. They go Nate. You see Nate Newton? Here's big Nate right here. John Madden's to blame. And then the minute it's over, you got to pull the pants up. You always block, 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 and then you pull up your pants. The only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys indeed? Cowboys back in action despite having already wrapped up the division. Maybe an important game, though, when it comes to the NFC playoff seedings, because the Arizona Cardinals are the opponent this week. We've got a special guest this week. We've got a special show because we're in luck. We've got somebody who not only works now for the Arizona Cardinals, but for half of this season, she worked for the Dallas Cowboys. She's going to have a lot of perspectives on both sides of the equation today. I want to welcome to the show. You could follow her on Twitter at Danny Sarek. She's the reporter from the Arizona Cardinals, for the Arizona Cardinals. It's Danny Sarek. Danny, welcome to The Athletic. Guys, thanks so much for having me on. I'm really excited. It's pretty perfect matchup for me. Uh, yeah. Really looking forward to it. Absolutely. And of course, as always, John Mishota will be joining us a little bit later. He's taking care of some Cowboys business right now. But in the hosting chair, it's Kevin KT Turner. Take it away. Thank you, Kent. I like the very vague taking care of some Cowboys business, too. It always makes uh, keeps John Mishota's mysterious vibe around. Like, oh, yeah. He's just taking care of some Cowboys business. Um, we'll talk about uh, the passing of, of John Madden here in a little bit. Um, obviously, that's a, a huge one that's impacted everyone, whether you're a young person or an old person or have any um, – just give a damn about football, then you really care about the passing of uh, John Madden. We'll talk about that for just a second uh, here in a little bit. It feels like, Danny, it was just yesterday that we just, you know, bump into you at the star or something like that. How long have you been uh, with the Cardinals? Because after COVID happened and you're not even allowed to go to the star in 2020, things have been a little different. How long have you been there in Arizona? Not long, but because we're in the season, it has felt like a very long time. Uh, my first day at work here with the Cardinals was Monday, right after their week four game. Um, oh, wow. No, right. Sorry. Right after right after week three. I'd started that Monday of week four. Um, so it it happened very fast for me to move out here. I was actually out here for my in-person interview that Thursday night game that opened up Cowboys schedule, NFL schedule, that Thursday night game. Uh, and then I started about two weeks after that. So it was very fast, um, but it has been really great out here. The weather is beautiful. It is chilly in the mornings. I actually, at practice this morning, I was wearing like a, 
a puffy coat and people were making fun of me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like in the forties, but there's no humidity out here. So <laughs> it's a lot colder than what I'm used to in that sense. Uh, but work is really great. Really like the people I work with. And when your team starts seven and oh, you can't ask for much more than that. Well, Arizona certainly got a good one. And Danny, she's, you know, obviously a great reporter and worked with her closely at the, at the Cowboys. So I was excited to see that, but it must've been weird for you to kind of go straight from like an entire training camp experience with the Cowboys. Like you're so embedded in the team and then immediately go to another team that's already in the midst of a season. Like there's no, like, let me just get to know these guys, see a few practices. And then we're in, then we're in it, you know, like you were thrown right in there. So how, how is it weird just thrown from one locker room to another so quickly? So weird, especially since with COVID, I'm not in the locker room getting to meet a lot of these players. Uh, I felt like for a while I was just having to play catch up of learning this team, learning, you know, storylines from training camp in the first couple of weeks that I had missed um, in that sense. And it was funny because, you know, I'd I'd walk out there with my roster for the first couple of practices because every time I look at a number, I would see a Cowboys player, right? So four was (laughs) not Rondale Moore, it was Dak Prescott. Um, So that was definitely something to get used to. Um, And also making sure my Twitter timeline wasn't just Cowboys media members, right? Right. So that kind of, you know, took a little bit of time to get used to. Um, But that's just part of it. I almost feel like maybe it was a little better just to get thrown right in. And, you know, so I'm just fully immersed with this team and trying to learn more of the history and all of that sense. Um, but yeah, I'd say that was probably one of the hardest thing was, was seeing the numbers. So it'll be interesting this matchup of, you know, I've, I've been so focused in on the Cardinals now that I really only pay attention to the Cowboys, right? Like if the game's on and I have the channel or, you know, I'm scrolling through yeah. Twitter or whatever. And now I'm like, Oh man, I'm gonna watch my old team and my current team. It's just going to, I don't know. It's going to feel weird. I think to like a certain extent of like yeah. when I'm, you know, when they're snapping the ball, okay, wait, which team should I be really watching? <laughs> well, that's awesome because you're so familiar with the Cowboys. I mean, this is probably for you a lot easier week than maybe some others in terms of researching the opponent, but what are the locker? I mean, in terms of the personalities of the team, what have you noticed different between like the vibe of the Cowboys and the vibe of the Cardinals? Just how, the teams operate and how they go about their business. Being completely transparent, not as someone who works for the team, like truth be told, every player and coach that I have interacted with in my time here has been so lovely and so great and nice and welcoming Mm -hmm. um, and, and really great in terms of access and doing interviews and things like that. That has just been so great. Um, And I'm not saying, in that and to imply that it was necessarily any different with the Cowboys. Um, but just coming in and being new and the season had already started, that's been really helpful. Um, how willing the players have been, you know, willing to, to talk with me. What about the, like mainly the attitudes at the locker room? Like, it, you know, is the Cowboys more cocky than the, the Arizona uh, guys? Like, how does that compare? Um, yeah. Like I obviously haven't been able to go in the locker room, the way you described it would probably Mm -hmm. be pretty close. Um, Again, not trying to, to knock anyone. I think there's just kind of when you play for America's team and all that coverage, it can be easy for anyone in that building, right? Maybe it goes to your head a little bit. Uh, I have not experienced any of that with any players, even when they were on their seven and a run. I mean, the way that they carry themselves at practice with the media talking about opponents, I didn't see any difference in any of that. Um, they were not getting over cocky in that situation at all. Um, what's been interesting is the biggest difference I feel like has been media coverage at practice. There are so many people watching from different media outlets, whether that's locally or nationally. And that's just not the case. Even on that seven and run, it was just wild to me that with the exception of, you know, the handful of team employees out there watching practice, there's like maybe six to 10 people, which is small from what I'm used to. And that's probably, that was probably the the most shocking difference when I first got here was, okay, yeah, this is <laughs> not as uh, heavily covered as the Dallas Cowboys for sure. Um, he's finished up his, his Cowboys business. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Father John Mashoda is here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Danny, what's Welcome up? Back. How's it going? I'm good. Good to see you. You too, man. 
Uh, John, we'll obviously get into tons of stuff with the Cowboys, but while we have Danny here, we're still going to kind of talk Cardinals with her and all that type of stuff. And, uh, I, you know, one thing, kind of a roller coaster for you getting kind of thrown into this thing. I say thrown into it. Like, no, you got a, a, a good job, right? So it's like, uh, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, you, like as you're saying, number one uh, seed in the NFC for a while, Arizona is dominating. And then I almost got the feeling from afar that maybe they worked getting taken as seriously as maybe they should have. And then you have the last two weeks, which just here we go again. They kind of fell apart at the end of the year last year and it's happened again. Is the, is the vibe kind of different than uh, October, I would imagine? Yeah, the vibe's definitely different. Touching on your first point, absolutely. This team was not getting the respect or attention that they deserved. Um, I think a lot of, People felt that this team was lucky to be 7-0 in some situations. And sure, they had some close wins, but they were also dominating teams, like completely dominating teams. They had a great win over the Rams. They had a great win over the Browns with less than 48 hours notice. They would not have their head coach on the sideline. So I think the team was not getting the recognition they deserve. Now, do they did they necessarily care about that? I don't think so. That's not, you know, why they're here every day. Uh, but the vibe has definitely been different you know you obviously want to be playing your best football in December build momentum be hot going into the playoffs and the team has not been doing that Um, ideally they would have gotten into the playoffs one of these last three games that they lost and just clinched a spot on their own that way they ended up getting a little help with San Francisco and Minnesota over the weekend but shouldn't go unnoticed that the Cardinals got themselves in this situation with 10 wins on their own. So there's still pride about the fact that they have secured a playoff spot for the first time since 2015. They're just not focused on that quite yet. There are clearly mistakes that need to be corrected and they have two regular season games to to turn it around right against the Cowboys and then against the Seahawks to try and figure it out. And it's just been unfortunate. The timing of things, every team has dealt with players being out with COVID and injuries and the Cardinals are no exception to that. I do think that it's very difficult when two players who are respectively top five, maybe top three in their position in the league in defensive lineman J.J. Watt and wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins are not on the field. Completely changes the way not only your team is able to perform, but how opponents are playing you. And I think it's just taken a little bit of time offensively specifically to figure out how this offense can find its groove because you can't just plug and play another wide receiver in for Hopkins. You're now asking someone like Christian Kirk, who has really dominated in the slot to kind of shift around a little bit and, and ask these players to maybe do things they haven't done so far um, or be relied on maybe as much as they haven't in their career. Um, you know, they've dealt with some injuries in the backfield. They were out with Chase Edmonds, who was on IR. And so it was James Conner filling in. And then James Conner missed this last game against the Colts with a heel injury. So I think it's just unfortunate timing, but the Cardinals are trying to find a groove with an offense that I think the numbers, like they've only had three games with all of their starters. So, I mean, this offensive line only has one player that hasn't missed multiple games due to injury. Now, again, every team deals with injuries and COVID and all of that stuff. Uh, the timing's just been unfortunate. They have two games to turn it around and figure it out before the playoffs. Sorry when I jumped on here, if you guys have already talked about it, but uh, so there's like no doubting the importance of high school football in Texas. And Kyler certainly belongs in any argument for greatest Texas high school football player. With him being 8-0 at AT&T Stadium and 7-0 as a starter and that, how much do you get the sense that this game might mean a little bit more to him. Does it mean a little more because he's playing in his backyard, a place he is very comfortable at and has found great success? Maybe. I don't want that to be taken that he's walking in extra confident or cocky or that this team is walking in feeling more so that way because, oh, Kyler's 8-0 here. Like, we'll be fine. We've got this in the bag. That's not the case at all. Kyler Murray actually talked to the media today and was saying, you know, I was on some really great teams. Maybe it was just good juju, but I'm not letting that affect the way I'm preparing. Um, You know, this team is not going to allow previous success to affect the way they're preparing for a future game. So maybe it means more to him to some extent, 
probably going to play in front of some extra friends or family members that are there. Um, there's a couple guys on this team, uh, right tackle Calvin Beecham, who went to SMU, was kind of talking about the same thing. Uh, so maybe, yeah, it, it might mean a little more to play in your backyard, but I wouldn't say that Kyler Murray is walking in with his you know, chest puffed out that he's confident he's going to necessarily get win number nine at AT&T Stadium just because he's undefeated there so far. So, so I think back to when he got hurt, and that was the end of the Green Bay game, I believe. And obviously that one ended uh, real weird um, with the Rasul Douglas interception and the miscommunication or whatever that was. I actually don't really even know. Did we ever get an answer on what happened there? We with- were told miscommunication with okay. uh, Kyler Murray and A.J. Green in the end zone. Yeah, because it almost looked like A.J. Green was looking at the screen. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But the point is, Kyler got hurt at the end of that game, obviously had to miss some time. And that, to me, from afar, is where I feel like things started going awry for the Cardinals. The Cowboys have dealt with the same thing at the end of the New England game is when Dak got hurt again and kind of threw their offense off for a little bit. I feel like we're almost kind of dealing with the same thing with the quarterbacks. Do you you think that's the deciding line or what has really been wrong with the offense um, for the Cardinals recently? Well, I think, too, it wasn't just Kyler Murray. It was DeAndre Hopkins who was hurt at the same time. So both of them missed three games. It was a month because they had their bye week in their um, but the thing is, is the offense won two of those three games with Colt McCoy in and they were finding a way to get it done. Um, for whatever reason, this offense is really just struggling on finding the end zone in the red zone. They have not been as successful as they had in the first half of the season. And it's interesting because they're moving the chains the last three games the Cardinals have lost, they have put up more total yards than all of their opponents. So it's not a question of whether or not they're able to, you know, move the sticks and get first downs because they are. It's just in those crucial moments. It just feels like for whatever reason, something is not clicking. Um, I don't know if that has to do with the defenses they're playing and wide receivers being able to get open um, again, moving around the offensive line and running back changes and all of that stuff. Uh, but yeah, this offense has just not been clicking the way it was when they were putting up 30 plus points in every game. Now they're still a good offense. I think they're still ranked top eight in the league. Um, but also too is, is the defense, uh, and this defense plays at its best when the offense is putting up. 20, 30 plus points. And that allows them to really shine. And it was the defense that kept this team in many games when the offense wasn't performing at its best. Um, But it's hard when teams keep scoring on your defense and then you're not able to score yourself when you get the ball. Um, So for whatever reason, I, I wish I had like a clear cut answer. It just kind of feels like they've been in a funk and they haven't been able to find their way out of it quite yet. You think you think Kyler running the ball more could possibly jumpstart? I just looked at his numbers. I saw he hadn't really run the ball as much as he did the previous year. And he, and he ran it, I think, 10 times last year against the Cowboys. And I just think with this Cowboys pass rush that he could be maybe even forced in that situation. Do you think that could potentially happen in this game? Yeah, absolutely. It's been intentional that. Kyler Murray has not run as much this year as those in past, just he's in year three, you know, want to keep his legs fresh, want to avoid injury, all of that stuff, just kind of having him find success in the pocket a little more. So that's been intentional. Now against the Colts, he ended up running for like 74 yards. He had that career long 57 yard run against them on Christmas. So it's not to say that he's no longer a dual threat quarterback and can't use his legs. He's still amazing at scrambling and finding a way to extend plays uh, and wait for a receiver to get open and get them the ball. I do wonder though, because he was able to run the ball so well against the Colts, looking at this Cowboys secondary, uh, the fact that he hasn't been connecting as well with with his wide receivers as of late, to me, I would think this might be a perfect game for Kyler Murray to turn on the Jets and maybe start running a little more than we've seen from him this season. It kind of feels like the perfect opportunity to get back to doing that. We've been begging for Dak to do that, and he did it a little bit against Washington. It's, we really only have one game of him kind of being willing to run a little bit last week, and they ended up putting up 56 points. 
although that game was a little different. It's kind of a weird one. Has um, I, first of all, I want to say I am a huge Cliff Kingsbury fan, but there is a problem right now with how his teams have finished the year. That dates back to Texas Tech, where he would start off hot and have have a problem finishing the year, and then you go here now, and he's well, very good, and then we have kind of a collapse towards the end of the year. I'm a big fan of him, but has he been asked about, you know, what's going on once we get to November and December in some of these seasons? Because it's a, it's amazing. His teams are really good for about two or three months, and then they tend to fall apart. And it's it's more than a small sample size at this point. Yeah, and look, I'm not, I'll admit I'm not a huge college football expert, but correct me if I'm wrong. For Texas Tech, weren't a lot of those games like it's early on when they're playing non-conference teams, and then you've got all the right. So, like I, I, yeah. I would imagine in college, right, the your opponents get tougher the further down you know you go in the season, and that to me is like I, I don't know if that's a fair comparison and a completely different not only coaching staff and players, but you're dealing with college athletes compared to professional football players. Um, I think 2019, his first year is a really hard year with what they were coming off of in 18 and what he had, and you had a rookie quarterback. But I think looking at last year, that's absolutely something you have to look at. Um, But I also, I don't necessarily know if that comes down to Cliff Kingsbury specifically when we've talked about the last couple of weeks, all that this team has faced. And I think you can't bury the fact of how well this team has been playing, how well he prepared his team and coaching staff when he wasn't even able to travel to Cleveland and the Cardinals still beat the Browns. Um, I will say from the short time that I've been able to be out here in Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury, he is very aware of what is going on with his team. Um, This was the first year under Kingsbury that the Cardinals won their first game coming off a bye week. And that was something he researched in the offseason ahead of time to try and better prepare his team that week and the week before and leading up to all that. So I wouldn't imagine I would imagine that Kingsbury is not just like unaware of all this and, you know, doing like, huh, what what can I do differently? I would imagine he is looking at all of those things. Um, I talked to defensive lineman Corey Peters today and was kind of asking about maybe changes he's noticed this week trying to get out of the skid and all of that stuff. And just saying, you know, practice has been like a little more intense, a little more up-tempo people getting in earlier and, you know, watching a little more film, all of that stuff. So it's not to say that the Cardinals are just in Cliff Kingsbury, just, Oh, well, okay. You know, we're, we've been losing, like, we'll just like, they're, they're obviously looking into all of this and trying to figure out how to get out of this funk. Which uh, pass rusher should the Cowboys be most worried about? Well, uh, depending on whether or not Marcus Golden is able to come off of COVID protocols with everything changing, uh, he went on, I believe, Monday. So I guess with the new protocols, assuming he's asymptomatic, he could uh, play Sunday. It's got to be Chandler Jones, though, who's one of the best in the league. Um he hasn't been as hot maybe the last couple of games, but that's, again, it all goes back to injuries, right? And you have to, you know, the the front, you know, defensive linemen have got to also, you know, stop the run and allow Chandler and the rest of the pass rushers to get to the quarterback. Uh, but my answer would be Chandler Jones. Um, and if Marcus Golden is able to play, I would look out for him as well. Fellow Mizzou Tiger, I might add. Yeah. Had to work that in there. John, where did you go to college? I went to Wayne State in Detroit. Do we have any famous Wayne State alum in the NFL? We do not. I don't have a ton. <laughs> I mean, I went to North Texas. I don't have a ton either. Um, I have another question, though. Okay. All right. So since we do almost, well, we're starting to do more interviews like this uh, with the players. Um, but even when they're in person, uh, it's not like it, it was in the locker room, as you were mentioning earlier. So for us this year, I think it's pretty much a consensus among the reporters covering the Cowboys that Micah Parsons has been the best interview, just because even in these situations like this, like uh, just a minute ago, uh, we were on a conference call with him and, you know, there'd already been like 10 questions asked. So I'm like, I'm just going to throw this in here. 
you know, you, you mentioned a lot of animals. Have you been watching any motivational videos recently? And I mean, just like a random question like that. And he just goes on and on about how, <laughs> you know, yeah, actually I have. And I was talking to Trayvon Diggs and we're trying to get an animal nickname for him. And we settled on Eagle because he flies in the air and he, uh, he flies, uh, Eagles fly the highest and, and he takes care of the air and I take care of the ground. Cause I'm the line, like stuff like that. And he's always doing stuff like that. So I'm wondering if, even during these times right now where it is difficult to really get, you know, any one-on-one time or any like really in-depth interview stuff, uh, is there been a player or two or coach or anyone that stands out with the Cardinals that, you know, you've just maybe enjoyed talking to more than, you know, others. Cause I, cause the reason I'm bringing this up, cause I, I do feel like, you know, when it's not sitting at your locker and it's conversational, like it's tough for some guys to kind of like let their guard down and just kind of have fun and so uh, I know it's, it's rare, but I was wondering if anyone stood out to you. Yeah. Uh, I was saying, I think before you had hopped on, like not just saying this as a team employee, but truthfully, all of the players that I've interacted with have been so fantastic. So nice. So open to doing interviews with me. Um, Marcus golden definitely stands out as one of the nicest people who almost in the sense, like, like Joe Looney of just always has a smile. And, and he says that he's like, I understand, like, that's, that's my role and practice. One of my roles on this team is to bring that energy and that positivity. Uh, but he's, he's a dog. His nickname is junkyard dog. He is just, he is a character. He was so fun to get to talk to, uh, but <laughs> probably more in a zoom setting. One of the funnier things that we had heard was from left tackle DJ Humphreys. Um, and we were kind of talking to him, this had to have been around Thanksgiving or the bye week, which were, I guess the same week anyway, but we somehow got on the topic of like Thanksgiving shopping or whatever. And he was just going on and on about how he loves to people watch, um, and how his favorite place to go is Walmart but it can't be a neighborhood Walmart because that, that doesn't work. And it can't go to a Safeway, which is, I guess, like a, a Tom Thumb or Albertsons essentially out here. And he's like, no, those are all soccer moms. Like, that's not what you want to see. Like you have to go to a big Walmart and he's just going on and on about the kinds of people you see. And that's his favorite place. And he'll go with his family, but he won't shop. He just likes to watch people. That was probably one of the funnier like zoom comments that, and um, I'm sure y'all saw this online there's a, like a podcast out here and there was a former Cardinal who was on there and uh, he didn't play like under Kingsbury, but um, for whatever reason, I don't know the the reason behind it. He got a tattoo and it was like a Cardinal head on his arm and it had K2 in it for Cliff Kingsbury. So one of the staff members on zoom had asked Kingsbury if, you know, he'd ever had a, a former player or anyone like get a tattoo for him and it was just the best mic drop ever. He looks into the camera and he goes, never had a male do it. And just, that was the last question. It was just the most epic mic drop ever for him to like make that joke and get up and like walk away. And that, that stuff is fun to get to see like his personality and, and all of that. And we've kind of seen him get a little more feisty on the sideline this year. And now that he's in year three and you're more comfortable with the scheme and the players, you can kind of show that a little more, but that was just so epic of him. And then that was the last question. He just got up and left the room. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I got one more now. Cause you said that, have you noticed any change in him at all? Whether, you know, now that we're getting later in the season, you know, they've lost some games or is he the same guy with you guys as he was at the beginning of the year? He is calm, cool, and collected. At least when we see him at practice, he seems to be the same when we are able to be out there in, you know, Zoom press conferences. It seems to be the same with him. Like it, I've never even riding the high of seven and zero, nine and two. It, it, I haven't seen a difference in how he has carried himself or answered questions. Like he, he's not short with the media in ways that he wasn't earlier in the season, he really does seem to be the same person. And I think that's really important, especially when you're in a funk like this is you don't necessarily want to go and be changing everything and have everyone thinking about the fact that you've lost three games. Like you want to stay true to who you are and how you got to 10 wins in the first place. And so I have not seen any change in Cliff Kingsbury. Like he has been the same person all year with us. Coach bro, coach Gosling. Uh, Danny, I've got one last question for you. 
Have you gone out to the practice field maybe past midnight and seen J.J. Watt flipping any tires since you've been there? Is that Does that actually happen? Uh, you know, I can't confirm or deny because I have not been out here at midnight. Um, so I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, he only does it at midnight, according to he Hard Knocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's definitely been out there. Um, on game days, on practice field, he's not practicing with the team but he's working out with trainers and he's doing sprints and he's doing things um, on the side of the practice field on game days, mm-hmm. on game days, he is still doing some of his warmups, not, not the full intense game day warmup he would normally do, but he is still out there early moving. He is very active and not just with the defensive lineman, um, but with this whole team, I actually had the opportunity it was so much fun to be the sideline reporter for our radio broadcast on Christmas against the Colts and uh, kicker, Matt Prater didn't have a good game. Very uncharacteristic Uh, Cardinals left seven points on the board. And there was one point where he was sitting on the end of the bench by himself, just looking really down, understandably. So, and it was JJ Watt who went over and sat next to him and was talking. Yeah. I saw that on TV. Um, Yeah. 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 And, and so J.J. Watt has just played such a huge role in his first season here, not just what he brings onto the field, but truly when you hear players talk about the kind of leader he is, even the little glimpses we get to see, it's quite clear how active he is. Um, so while I haven't seen him flipping any tires, I will keep you posted if that changes. He has yes. definitely been working out and working with trainers and being out there on game day and inching hopefully closer. Uh, I don't, I don't know an exact realistic timetable on his return or Deandre Hopkins. Mm. Um, but I will say in my opinion, if anybody can come back from the report saying what pretty much tore everything in his shoulder and come back and play a couple months later, earlier than expected, it would be JJ Watt because that happened in the Houston game and he played the rest of the game and he walked off with a smile and you couldn't tell he was hurt. So his pain tolerance has got to be out the roof. So if anybody could come back early, I'd imagine it'd be him. Yeah. Just, just hit up Ray Lewis for some deer antler spray. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully the Cardinals and Cowboys play in the playoffs though, Danny, so we can have you back do a little playoff preview. That would be so fun for you. I was, I was talking about that with uh, David Hellman. Uh, DallasCowboys.com the other day, who? but I'm not, I'm not sure how realistic it is. You say who? Um, yeah. yeah. We don't bring him up around here. Oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, that he, Dave he Hellman guy. Shall not He's... Be named. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, just, that guy, that, that one guy, um, uh, I just gym. don't know how realistic that is. Cause you've, you've got to assuming green Bay is, you know, untouchable at this point, you've got to rely on Tampa um, Cowboys, obviously, and Cardinals still have a chance to win the NFC West if they can yeah. win out and the Rams lose at least one. They're playing Baltimore and San Francisco. So that kind of shifts things around. There's obviously a chance the Cardinals and Cowboys could play, and selfishly, that'd be a whole lot of fun to see y'all again. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. It's one game at a time, Kent. Yes, absolutely. You know that. Uh, before you do leave, though, KT, we need to get her a prediction. Oh, yeah, of course. Put her on the spot. Danny, Ooh. what's the score? The score? Mm-mm-mm. You guys might laugh or say I'm overly optimistic. I think the Cardinals will start to kind of turn things around. Um, there's no longer the pressure of making the playoffs. They've secured that now. It's just the pressure of playing your best. Uh, and I think Kyler Murray does a good job of that. So... I'm going to give it to the Cardinals. Let's say. I'll say like. 20. 21. 17. Okay. So. But it's it's hard enough to keep up with it with everyone's like playoff. So you just. If the Cardinals won their last two and the Rams won their last two, that means the Rams win the West though. Yes. Okay. So if the Cardinals beat the Cowboys, though, that could set up a scenario where the Cowboys are the four, the Cardinals are the five, and we talk in two weeks. It's pretty possible. Don't lose my number. 
21-17 Cardinals. That's her official prediction. Uh, we guys want to go ahead and do ours while she's here. So yeah. Yeah. Remember, Kyler Murray's 8-0 at AT&T Stadium. That's true. That is that's scary. Um, there's like yeah, I, I went back and looked. There was a lot of Greg Little on that team. Uh, there was a lot of really good players. He was not kidding uh, about that uh, while he was at Allen. But yeah, I'm gonna go. Man, this is tough because they just haven't played say, a player like they too. just haven't played a quarterback like Kyler this year. You know, like absolutely. Just, and I will say this. Player. This, I guess, a question for you guys, because you've obviously are still covering this team. The years I worked there, it seemed like the Cowboys, and maybe this was just because getting so much hype, it was very easy for them to get caught up in their successes, right? You know, you go on a little win streak, you start to get a little cocky, you know, bite yourself in the foot, that kind of thing. I wonder, coming off the kind of win they did over Washington, I wonder how that's mentally going to affect the Cowboys team. And I think that played a role in my decision as well. I think Correct me all, if I'm wrong, if you think no, this team yeah. is different. I think you're right. And I think there's a lot of us, and I'm certainly one of them who kind of go, well, did you just play a bad Washington team who was, didn't have a lot of stomach for the fight last week and you just railroad them or are you officially back and to where you were you know, two months ago? So I, I, I still don't know. I'll go ahead and do my prediction. I, it's going to be Cowboys 34, Cardinals 24. And I'm just going off of, what I believe to be true, that there's just something there. And again, I love the man. I do. I do love the man. I, I think he's a very nice guy too. But I'm like looking at like seven or eight years of like Cliff Kingsbury, his team's having trouble winning games. And I know college probably shouldn't matter, but when you look at the sheer numbers of his team starting off good, it's just a lot. And it makes it tough for me to believe they're going to get it back together until they get Hopkins back and get fully healthy. And until Kyler quite frankly, flips the switch and makes running a little more of an option. Because right now it looks like it's his fifth option. And this time of year, the guys like Russell Wilson and even even Dak, that's kind of like their third option. Like, oh, the first guy's open, second guy's open. You know, I'll go ahead and get my five yards or whatever. So I kind of feel like until Kyler's ready to flip the switch and turn into that guy again, and maybe they're saving it for the playoffs, I kind of don't see them getting the win this week against the Cowboys. 34-24 Cowboys for me. Kent. Yeah. Also, by the way, on that team, Bobby Evans, Jalen Guyton, <laughs> Levi Onzerike. Oh, yeah. Incredible, incredible to team at Allen. But Kyler was the reason they won. I will, if, you know, you should have said, no, it was you. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. It's my gut. I'm going to go high scoring game, Cowboys 31, uh, 31 28. Oh, all right. Close one. Father John, it's up to you. So I did another podcast this morning, and I said 34-20, so I'm sticking with that. Uh, to Danny's point, the difference with this one is this, from the previous team, is just this defense is on another level, and they're just so much more that they're left to chase for right now. That's the only reason why I don't see them looking past this, because now they have not played well against the top quarterbacks. I mean, three of their losses are to Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Derek Carr, wherever you want to slot him at. So, you know, certainly these last few weeks, there's a lot of Taylor Heineke and Mike Glennon and Taysom Hill, but I think that they're going to be motivated for, for this matchup. And also because like Trayvon Diggs is really, really thinking he can, he has a chance of getting 14 interceptions as crazy as that sounds. Um, Micah Parsons wants that 14 and a half sacks. You just watch those videos on the sidelines that, you know, because they got up by so much, he had to come out of the game. Like, you could tell he was like angry that he didn't get to play in the fourth quarter. Uh, they've had, they've been able to hold him back and kind of protect him from himself because he doesn't want to ever leave the field. And he, he obviously needs to. And then the other part of it is that when you have Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence and Neville Gallimore, like they're all coming off these injuries. There's nothing for them to sit there and, and like rest on. Like they're, they're so fortunate and so happy to even be playing. And the way that they've played since Lawrence has come back is just on another level. If this game was in Arizona, I would, I would probably pick the Cardinals, but, and I know that I'm picking them by the Cowboys by four teams. I just think that they're a different animal uh, at home with that game getting flexed. If it was staying at noon, it would affect my, my, my pick too. But with that game getting flexed, I expect that place to be rocking. Um, I, I think that the, the other thing is too, the reason I, I specifically asked you about the Cliff Kingsbury thing is because Mike McCarthy in the last three days has certainly changed his tone. He's not joking with us nearly as much. You can just get the feeling of like, he's just, 
He's very big into messaging and things like that. He hasn't been joking around as much. He can't kind of almost seemed a little angry almost after, after the Washington game. You can just tell that everything's set in place for him now that this is like he, he's ramped up to have this team where they are right now. I just don't get the sense that, that they're going to lay an egg in this game. And I think it'll be interesting that the Cowboys perform much better at home and the Cardinals perform much better on the road. So I think that'll be fun as well. Well, Danny, thank you so much for taking the time. And again, we'll, we'll chat with you again if, the, if these two teams meet up in the playoffs. Uh, tell everyone where we can find you, where all the Cowboys fans can check out your work online. Yeah, if all the Cowboys fans didn't already, I'm following me for leaving for the Cardinals. <laughs> Traitor! Uh, <laughs> Traitor! Uh, it's just, it's at Danny Sirak, uh, just my name, D-A-N-I-S-U-R-E-C-K. Uh, don't worry, John, I'm still tweeting about the office, still tweeting about my dog. So even if you're not a Cardinals fan, <laughs> there's still some good content. Yeah. Still working yep. uh, Still working that replay machine, Danny? EVS? No, yes. I, I haven't done. A, Danny, Danny was not just a, re, a like reporter. <laughs> Danny would literally run like instant replay and do re- reporting in the same broadcast. Like she was a, a an absolute stud. Uh, we had so, some fun times. Gosh, we we were <laughs> we, yeah we had some fun uh, fun times behind the scenes. But gosh, uh, happy for you, and hopefully we can catch up down the road and maybe at the combine we'll. Hopefully see you there or something like that. Yeah, guys, I appreciate you having me on. I keep following you guys for content, so keep it up. I appreciate it. And for those of you that are going to be at at t Stadium, I'm traveling this week, so looking forward to seeing y'all. Shout out. It's going to be weird seeing you in red, but congratulations <laughs> again. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Danny. Thanks. Thanks, Danny. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. I do want to, now that we have John who wrapped up his Cowboys business, John, news of the day, injury stuff, uh, fill us in. We're recording this for full disclosure Wednesday afternoon before this Sunday's game. What's the latest that you found out from the locker room today? I would say the biggest news is that everything is trending in the right direction for Tyron Smith. I am now at the point where I expect him to play Sunday. It was a lighter practice on Wednesday than it normally is. And so because of that, uh, Tyron was out there doing some individual. Uh, We weren't, we're not able to be at practice uh, right now because COVID protocols, we get a practice report um, from the team, but it's, it said that he did individuals. Mike McCarthy this morning told us that he expected him to do at least individuals, if not more. So that's a very good sign. I'd say that's the biggest one. Uh, next on the list would be the fact of, you know, some of those guys that were on uh, the COVID reserve list uh, have been returning. Let's see uh, who do you have? Uh, Malik, Malik Hooker, Tristan Hill, both were activated off the reserve COVID. Both were participating in the portion that's regularly open to the media. So that's obviously a good sign. Uh, I don't know much about, Forgive me, this news is coming in a little bit uh, right before we started recording this, but Devontae Bond, a linebacker, they added to the practice squad. This is mainly because of Francis Bernard, who he is he is actually the only injury to come out of the game on Sunday night. Um, so while that's not great for Francis Bernard, that's 
pretty good considering I think most of us, when we saw that, that uh, hit that Dalton Sh Schultz took, thought, man, this might be something where maybe it's a broken rib or something with the shoulder. Turns out he just got the wind knocked out of him. So uh, he's, he's good to go. So it looks like the Cowboys are going to be about as healthy as they've been all season in terms of their starting lineup. Like when you look at their depth chart, like it, they should have just about everybody. There's not anyone that's really standing out to me. I'd say the, the one would be, we're still not hundred percent certain on Jordan Lewis. There's obviously a possibility that he could play, but uh, if he can, I think a lot of people are eager to see what uh, Kelvin Joseph can do in, in his second game. And I imagine he'll get some, some reps regardless because uh, you know, the team really liked what they saw from him uh, Sunday and his first like extended action as a rookie. Adam Schefter reporting today that Dan Quinn, who, well, Dan, first of all, Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore, both targets for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but that Dan Quinn is turning down uh, his interview opportunity with the Jaguars over the next two weeks just to kind of stay and focus on the team. I would assume you're going to get that same thing from Kellen, just maybe not, maybe one of Kellen's representatives might not have told Adam Schefter that, I would guess. But I did think that was curious that only one of them were, were in the news from, from old Shefty. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's usually how that information is transmitted is via, uh, yeah. I mean, it can, it can come from the team, but it can also come from uh, agent that represents that coach. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't say that that's, you know, you can take that a lot of different ways. You can take that as, oh, Dan Quinn, he, he isn't even going to waste his time coaching the Jaguars. I, I, that I've, let me tell you something right now that makes me just, it warms my heart uh, is the, <laughs> is the people that say things like, why would you take that dumpster job? Oh, what the one that has thirty-two of them are available? Yeah, do you understand oh, yeah. that you might only get that one opportunity ever in your life to be a head coach, and you're going to sit there and be like, "No, thanks, Jags. Uh, I was waiting for uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Green Bay to open up, but until they do, I'm going to coach this defense." Like, no, I think he's doing it because he'll wait for the process to kind of unfold and maybe circle back with them for when the in persons are are, are possible. You know, when, when all that news kind of surfaced, it was difficult to be on my Twitter timeline and not notice that everybody was getting an interview with the Jaguars. So to me, it spoke volumes as to we're not going to act like we're just going after another Urban Meyer and focusing in on one guy. We're casting a wide net. We're interviewing all kinds of people. You know, we saw, it, for example, that I'm sure this one will be familiar to you. This is very much what the Eagles did last year. Remember, Kellen was in on that before they ended up settling on Nick Sirianni, uh, which was a surprise. So uh, just because Dan Quinn pulled out of that, uh, that was reported by Adam Schefter, that doesn't necessarily mean that they, there was no interest there or, or whatnot. Sure. I mean, he's certainly focused on the uh, on, on coaching this defense. But I, I did find <laughs> this is just my stupid brain thinking of these things, but kind of in a comedy sense of it. I was thinking like, we just imagine these interviews where like it comes down to Dan Quinn and Kellen Moore behind the scenes. They're kind of like talking smack about each other. I don't know if you want to go with that guy. You know, I don't know if you saw that Falcons game or like, could you just imagine if it can, that's not reality. I'm joking people. That's not going to happen, but it is the way fun, that, that's the way my brain, that's the way my brain works. No, but uh, I, I, I mean, certainly I could see that stuff happening in the NFL, but not, not with those two guys. I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons I think that they've had a lot of success behind the scenes is just how much those players on the, each of those sides of the ball like playing for those two guys. I mean, Dan Quinn, I mean, that's going to be, that's the thing. Like, like Michael was asked today about, you know, did you tell Dan Quinn not to leave? And he's like, you know, I'm not going to do that. You know, I mean, people got to do what's best for them. And if you get a head coaching opportunity, like no one's going to have like hard feelings about it from the players to the Mike McCarthy to Jerry Jones. Like they're just these, it's, here's the other thing. It's not 32 jobs because 32 jobs don't always come open. It's like sure, maybe yeah. 10 that is a revolving door. So yeah, if you get a chance to coach the lions or an expansion team in London or Mexico city or Oklahoma city or wherever you're taking that opportunity. I don't care who the owner is, what the fan interest is. It's an NFL head coaching job. If you get a chance, you're going to take it. And, and if you're one of these elite of the elite that you have your chance to pick, by all means, pick pick your favorite franchise, you know. But even that is just a, such a small number uh, of coaches that even have a chance to pick. So, uh, hey, oh, real quick, can I throw this out there, though, real quick? I did a research project because I'm a dick. Um, so, what the Cowboys really need after they beat Arizona, right, is they need Green Bay to lose to Minnesota. And Danny brought up, hey, the Cowboys are a much better team at home than on the road, right? Um I did a quick research uh, report on Kirk Cousins because that kind of matters to the Cowboys this week. 
because they're looking at about zero degrees for the high on Sunday night at Lambeau. And Kirk Cousins does not like playing in the cold weather, I found out. There's not a large enough sample size to prove it. But in his one game where the game time temperature was below 20 degrees, he threw three interceptions in week 17 against the Giants in 2017. But there's a huge track record of quotes from him talking about one of the reasons why he signed with Minnesota outside of the money was because of their stadium so he could play indoors and he didn't want to play in the cold weather. So that's a bummer because I wanted Kirk Cousins to be like Michigan State guy who won a bunch of games in the cold and then go beat the Packers and then the Cowboys get the one seed and then they have a Super Bowl. Um, I, think, I, almost, I almost think that's the, the biggest NFC talking point right now. And I'm might be because I don't take the Rams as serious as, as a lot of other teams. And it might be because of the injuries with the Bucks. I truly think the winner of the Super Bowl is tell me who's got home field between the Cowboys and the Packers. I think that's it. I feel like we, I, I don't know, I have that feeling every year and then uh, the playoffs happen and you sit there and you're just kind of like, wow, that's kind of crazy that that team went on the road and won all these games. I wouldn't have saw that coming. I mean, I did a thing earlier today that I posted just comparing this Cowboys team to the last four NFC teams to win the Super Bowl. And that's the 2020 Bucks, the 2017 Eagles, the 2013 Seahawks, and the 2011 Giants, which are probably the closest comparison. And that 2011 Giants team went nine and seven, backdoored into the playoffs, and they beat the Falcons. They beat Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and they beat uh, Alex Smith and the 49ers. Then they go to the Super Bowl and they beat Tom Brady. I mean, you're just like, you never think that it's going to happen. I mean, they had the worst rushing offense in the entire NFL. They were just terrible at running the ball. Defensively, their stats weren't even great. They were like 25th in total uh, defense, 27th in scoring defense. But they got pressure on the quarterback. It caused problems. It's like, you just kind of want to, you just got to see the games. You just never know. I mean, because everything you're saying makes sense. And it's the way I usually think. And then I just, I just can't overlook last year's NFC championship game. I mean, it's completely lined up that like, this is the game the Packers win. They finally get it at home. They get Tom Brady to throw three interceptions. I don't even need to watch the game. They probably won by three touchdowns and they, and they found a way to, I don't know. It just, it's just, it's crazy like that. And then here's another one. Like, while it's not the cold, how many times, like, especially having been now four times, like big time games in the Superdome and just how loud it is. You would think that New Orleans would have won more than one Super Bowl with how, what the home field advantage that they have in the playoffs, and they don't. Like it just, I don't know. It looks like that on paper, but honestly, that's why I keep going back to this. People want to be like, you know, this is the Cowboys, or something's going to go wrong. It always does. It's just like, yeah, it could. But I'm telling you, the most important thing, the thing that you can control at this time of year, is to be playing well and being healthy, and that's the direction they're headed in. So it's like you just kind of take the matchups as they go. And just see what you got there because you just never really know in a one game elimination. This is the NBA playoffs by all means. I'm totally like, yeah, you got to beat, you got to beat the Packers up in Lambeau four times in seven games. Good luck. That's not going to happen. But in a one game, you just, I don't know. Like there's a part of that too with McCarthy being the head coach and just the kind of the storylines that are going to go with it. Like there's going to be no shortage of motivation if they have to go up to Green Bay. I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'll be picking the Packers to win the game, but I don't think it's just this foregone conclusion that like, hey, Yep. NFC Championship game, you got to play at Lambeau? Well, you don't win that game. I know, and you're right, and all it takes is one week to, like, look at your roster, as you mentioned. Like, has anybody, devast- you should know that. Devastated by injuries, you know? Has anybody been to the NFC Championship game more without a trip to the Super Bowl than the Packers in the last 20 years? Well, it sure doesn't seem like it. Seems like they go and lose there a lot. Um, so, we're going to end it weirdly. Uh, not weirdly. Yeah, we're let's gonna get weird. It- well, not weirdly. It's actually not weird. With a um, with a touching tribute, um, as John Madden passed away, and man, I couldn't help but think. Did y'all watch the documentary on uh, Christmas Day? Did y'all get a chance to watch all Madden? Amazing. I, I missed it. it. I missed it. But um, I hear they're re-airing it uh, this Thursday, and they're putting it on Peacock on demand or something like that. So hopefully, we'll. It's awesome. It. Yeah. What's Everyone your, big, what's your biggest takeaway? I'm going to give you mine. What's your biggest takeaway? I take saw away? a lot of the teasers they were doing over the last month, though, on the pregame show. So I have well, a big, my biggest, good idea of what it was. My biggest immediate takeaway is I just think it's very weird. They didn't know John Madden was passing away this week. In fact, yeah. it's been reported they that it was they, unexpected. They said they had no idea. Okay. I didn't yeah, know that. So this was planned for Christmas Day for months, right? And it was a big part of their Fox Saturday thing. Right? And then we're going to have a football game right after it. So, like, that's the thing that shocked me where anything is like, 
they just aired this thing. And I don't know, I watched the thing and I was kind of welling up a little bit. Like, that was sad at the end. My biggest takeaway from all of that is that it could have been, and I don't mean this as a slight to him because it's not, he's awesome. But like, they just kind of took a chance on a guy whose wife wanted him to not play football, uh, coach football anymore. Like John Madden's coaching career did not have to end. And then they were like, okay, well, he does a commercial here. And Pat Summerall had his partner, his broadcasting partner. Like, it's just, it just happened to be that John Madden got big again through endorsements. And because he was a kind of endearing fellow as a coach, but his wife and family were like, hey, it was really his wife, it was his kids. His wife was like, we need you to retire. You're never around. We need you here. And then through like a beer commercial and then kind of getting involved, he gets the broadcasting job. And then now he's maybe the most identifiable name when it comes to a football Madden because of the video game and everything else. But it was because his wife was like, dude, you're running out of gas as a head coach. You're never at home. I want you here. That, that would just, it's kind of crazy how things work out. Yeah. I would say my biggest takeaway is just, how many people, not even in just in this profession or, you know, with the NFL or just any profession in general, how many people get a chance to sit down and, and have all these people that you think the world of all tell you how awesome you are, especially when you can tell even in there, like, yeah, they say, you know, his death was unexpected. If you, if you know John Madden and you've watched him over the years, you could tell in that, in that piece, he was, he is, he wasn't a hundred percent healthy. For him to get that opportunity, for everyone to get that opportunity to say the, those thoughts and, and share those stories with him, like that's so awesome because I just think there's so many people that will never get that opportunity. They pass away and they never even know truly how appreciated they were. So I thought that was amazing. Other thing was just the importance of just being yourself. Like, don't be a phony, like be yourself. Like you're going to make mistakes, be funny, laugh at yourself, and then just keep m- moving on. And I know that's easier said than done, but that's clearly who he was. And here's the thing, like, yeah, he taught a lot about football, but also like, you know, everybody gets criticized nowadays about everything, especially with social media out there. Like John Madden would have been, would have been criticized too, if he was doing games right now in in the social media area era, but he didn't care. You know, he was going to do his traducan and he was going to do the telestrator and circle stuff and do whatever, because he was having fun and that was a good time. And he enjoyed doing that. And I just think that, I don't know. I just, I, I see a lot of phonies on a day-to-day basis trying to be somebody else. Just, just be yourself. Dude, absolutely. I mean, that, that jumped out more than anything. I did like the editorial decision. I mean, I actually read an article about the, the documentary before I even saw it. And Fox was skeptical that Madden would even do it because of his age. And he doesn't sound the same. And it's clear in the documentary, the few times he talks, he doesn't sound the same. It's not the John Madden that everyone knows and loves. But when they started showing him a couple of clips from guys that they had gotten to send little messages to him, and you'll see some of those in the end and some of those in the documentary, they kind of went with occasionally in the last dance, the Michael Jordan documentary that we all loved, I know, where they would show Michael Jordan or they would show someone else a, a clip on an iPad. Uh, you know, and they kind of went with that approach. I love it. And I'm, I'm telling you at the end, I mean, I was oh, yeah. tearing up because oh, yeah. they're showing everyone basically – giving their goodbye message to John Madden. And at the time, I didn't really think of it that way, but I sure did three days later when he died. Like, I just can't believe it. The other thing that that really, we all know it, there's there's two things. For me, obviously, the video game is huge. I mean, why would a 12-year-old boy now reference Madden? And they immediately, they think of the video game, but they still know the story of John Madden behind it through their dad telling them or whatever. Right. Think of like an 80 year old man and how much happiness it makes them every year when they buy the Madden football game. And two, I think about the Madden soundtracks. If I hear a song that was on from the last 20 years that was on those video games, I immediately just think of him and think of football. And it's it's just kind of crazy that it's just a wide reaching impact, man. Think about the impact that he had on the game, not only from a broadcasting perspective, but. You know, just bringing people to football. Back when he joined Monday Night Football in the late 70s, there was a real real strong sense that football is just too confusing for people, you know? And, you know, what he did was make it approachable for the average person. Yeah. Kind of break the game down in a way that the 
average mom can understand how this fullback is blocking this guy and and spurring Emmett Smith on a run, right? That was the kind of stuff he brought to the table. And he, he just had a personality of like a, a, a really cool uncle, you know, just that person that you're hanging out with. I always think Tony Romo has that too. And I think that's why he's been so appealing is because he has that every man, uh, you know, having a beer with your friends kind of way of of going about the broadcast. But yeah, I know it's more like Madden than Romo, but yeah, okay. The innovation uh, uh, that, you know, he brought on brought, brought to broadcasting, but in the early 90s for him to want to do a video game, how old was he back then? For him to say, I see this as potential to give the game to a new generation and to teach people about sports. I'm going to be heavily involved in development of the game. We're not just going to throw my name on it. I mean, unbelievable to have the foresight in the early, the late 80s, early 90s to see what that could become for today's kids in this new generation. So, you know, we talk, you play, like to play the clips, but I just think like in a very Jerry Jones way, like he impacted the growth of the sport uh, exponentially. Just to tie the Cowboys in, uh, like the second question to Trayvon Diggs after the game on Sunday was about Demarcus Lawrence's play. And he right off the bat, before even saying anything about the play, talked about how Mad needs to uh, improve Demarcus Lawrence's rating. Like that's how these guys look at this stuff because they play these games so much. They, you know, they feel disrespected if their matting rating isn't a certain thing, whether it be at speed or or different parts of the game, the way it's broken down, playmaking ability, all of that stuff. Like that is such a big deal to these players nowadays who, I mean, just try to do the quick math in my head. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying Trayvon Diggs didn't watch many games that John Madden was calling. He no. probably knows John Madden no. as being through the video game. So that, that part, that, that is fascinating that he can be connected with that. The other thing I was going to say is super, super jealous of, of Peter King that he got a chance to, to do that story, doing the bus ride across country. I would love that would be one of my favorite stories to write more than anything that I can even think of right now. If I could have that opportunity with John Madden in his prime too, because here's the thing, like you guys are from here. So you know, I don't know, like maybe Brad Sham is like the voice of the Cowboys to you guys. Growing up in Michigan, the voice of the Cowboys is Pat Summerall and John Madden because yes. they were always the Fox games that were on national television because the Cowboys were all good, always good in the 90s, and yeah. he was always doing their games. So it's like when I hear John Madden and Pat Summerall, I l- immediately think of the 90s Cowboys. And I understand that's going to be different for everybody when they hear his voice, depending on what team you like, whatever you watch. But for me, growing up, in Michigan, falling in love with with football, like I always will think of of them. That's why, like when I when I heard the news, I immediately started looking for clips of, of them calling games because that just I will always think of that. Like I will think of Madden and Summerall with the '90s Cowboys. Like I think of Troy Aikman, yeah. Emmitt Smith. You know, I mean, the reason I know who Nate Newton is at first is because John Madden used to talk about him all the time. And nobody was really talking about offensive linemen. And so when I moved down here, I swear to God, when I moved down here and the first time I saw Nate Newton, that's like one of the first things I thought of. I was like, oh, that's Nate Newton, man. John Madden used to always talk about him. You know, I knew he was a good offensive lineman, but but it was because John Madden was always like anytime he had a Cowboys game, he'd always be pointing something out about him. And so it's like they were traveling with the team, even though they weren't. They had their weekly assignments, but it was almost always the Cowboys, like you said. And this generation, it's Joe and Troy. And in that documentary, Troy Aikman mentions, I'm not John Madden. I can't do what John Madden did. I'm not that guy. It was pretty awesome. And I liked the the fact that he spoke his mind, too. Like, when he thought something was terrible on the field, he he would do that. And what comes to mind, obviously, is the big fourth and one call from Barry in 1995 and John Madden's reaction to that. I'd like to play that here on the show because it's a legendary play. Uh, Basically the Cowboys and Eagles are tied and it's fourth and one with two minutes to go. And um, the Cowboys have the ball. Uh, So that's kind of the context here, but uh, here's the call and the reaction to it. Unless they're going to try and draw them off sides. I think they cannot go for it here. Emmett Smith's a deep back. Smith gets a carry. He doesn't make it. No, that's a bad call. You can't do that. that. Look at the Eagles. They know that call could have won the Eagles this game. Their field goal range right now. Right now, and then all they have to do is run that clock down. Now they're saying maybe the two-minute warning ran out. No, I don't think so. That ball was snapped before. 
And you can't stop the play in the middle of a play for the two-minute warning. No, that's that's the Eagles' ball. The All Cowboys' the offensive unit still on the field. Well, maybe they're saying that the two minutes. Watch the official on the far North side of the field. He is signaling no play. You're right. You're right. They did say the two minutes came up before the ball was snapped. It's fourth, and it's still a foot. Emmett Smith is still deep with Darrell Johnston in front of him. Same play. Didn't get it again. Didn't get it again. That's unbelievable. This is unbelievable. What in the heck is going on? The score's tied. Okay. You're on the road. <laughs> okay, that perfect example right there. You're telling me that he's not getting roasted. <laughs> On Twitter right now by all the analytics folks about that yes, stuff. Exactly what I was going to say. Oh, this old man doesn't know what he's talking about. What an idiot. You know, I, you're getting roasted. And hey, I believe in analytics. I think they belong in the game. And I understand where a lot of people are coming from. But that right there, he like just the way he sounded, he had no room to hear. He wanted to hear any of the analytics or anything like that. Yes. And that's the type of stuff he would be getting <laughs> roasted today. The for. analytics. Somebody tweeted this today. The analytics say. You have a 59% chance of winning if you go for it versus punting 42% and field goal attempt 25% with both teams with three timeouts left. Here's my analytics. issue. Here, here, here's, here's my issue with that, with analytics on that. Like how, how are you factor, factoring in like Emmett Smith? Like, how are you factoring in? Like, like, is that the same if, if the Owen 16 lions are going for fourth and one against the green Bay Packers at Lambeau? How are you, how are you factoring going in for it? It gives them a 59% chance, but a successful attempt gives them a 75% chance. A lot of those are field yes. position based. A lot, of, a lot of analytics that we talk about are field position and based. Giving the ball back, going for it and not getting it is a 20%, 7% chance of still winning, yeah, cool. which I they did have at the end of the game and missed it at the end of the game. So they did have that one last 20% chance to win and didn't do it. But that's just an example of John just telling it like it is man and uh watch my documentary uh, welcome to switzerland where we have a whole segment on that and barry talks about it nate newton talks about it well kick off your 2022 with two documentary watches welcome to switzerland and also oh, yeah. uh, all madden which was was outstanding there's two very good very good tributes that you can pay to uh john madden right there so watch those also watch the uh cowboys and cardinals this sunday uh 325 game we will talk to you after the game. We'll have a very oh maybe maybe we'll have a more clear picture of what happens. Uh, it is an interesting one is the uh, in terms of if you're thinking about home field and stuff. The Packers play the night game at Lambeau. It's supposed to be zero degrees after the Cowboys. So a lot on the line this weekend for a lot of teams. Going to be a fun one. Uh, a slate of fifteen games on Sunday. No Thursday night game this week. No Saturday games this week. So we got fifteen games on Sunday and uh, Cowboys. And Cardinals, definitely one of the highlights of the week. We'll talk to you about that after the game. Father John Machota will be there, as he always is. It's what he do, baby. Uh, for our producer, Kent Garrison, who did make the Welcome to Switzerland documentary. And you can yes. watch that uh, on DallasCowboys.com, I believe. Single-handedly, no uh, by himself. He, d- he did it alone. Rob I was there. No one. Shout I didn't see Rob anyone Phillips. else. Rob pitched in. He did a, t- a bit. But, I mean, you know. <laughs> It was like a, you know, like Jackie Chan was in Rush Hour, but it was Chris Tucker's movie. Yeah. You know? So I'm Jackie. You're the Chris Tucker. I'm Chris Tucker. Okay. I don't know if I want to be these days. I mean, he was the... (laughs) Yeah, just Chris Tucker (laughs) stuff in the news. Uh, Father John Mishoda. Father John, good luck out there on Sunday. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll talk to you Sunday night. Boom! Tough actin' to actin'.